Episode 218 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. Music Theater Wichita has faced a lot of unknowns over the past couple of years, from the future of Century 2 to dealing with the pandemic. Producing director Wayne Bryan and his leadership team did what many other businesses had to do during the past year and a half, get creative and innovative. Brian talks about becoming a content creator while keeping his cast and crew safe in this episode of the podcast. First, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week, we celebrate the biggest party of our year, the 40 Under 40 Awards. 40 young people under 40 years old are recognized for their work as professionals and as members of the community. We have profiles of each very deserving honoree, and our coverage begins on page 14. Also this week, a special report on cybersecurity, page 6. This week's list, residential real estate brokerages, page 8. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One significant way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly leads section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, court judgments. Our leads section this week begins on page 66. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Wayne Bryan, producing director, Music Theater Wichita. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. It is always a pleasure to have these conversations with you. I, I We are always so grateful over at Music Theater that the Business Journal uh, recognizes us, you know, as a business, as part of the business of our community. We're, we're always so appreciative. Absolutely. Such an important part of Wichita's economy and uh, quality of life. That's for sure. Well, much has happened since the last time we talked, it was in the context of figuring out what to do with Century 2, perhaps building a new performing arts center. You were concerned at the time about taking a year off and what that would do to your organization and your fan base. Then here comes COVID. <laughs> Take us back to early 2020. When did you realize that the pandemic was going to have so much impact? Well, as you all will recall, it was March when the world started shifting so drastically. And March is the month during which we hold auditions. We go to five different cities. We audition in Wichita, Oklahoma City, Chicago, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and New York to select the performers for our summer and our technical directors go hire technical crew for the summer. So March is always about recruitment and trying to figure out who's going to be working in Wichita during the summer months. We had our five shows selected. We'd engaged directors and designers and a certain number of contracts have been written, but we were now filling the rest of the ranks with people that we were going to hire. And we saw the rumors, the news reports from 
uh, Oregon or Washington State, I guess, and then from other places that began saying there's a problem. And we did our auditions in Wichita and Chicago and uh, Ann Arbor. And we were actually on the road to Oklahoma City. We were in the car driving down when it was reported that the university was closing down, that we would not be holding auditions that day. The New York auditions were one week away from us, and we had already canceled our open house meet and greet because they were saying it wasn't good for people to be in closed quarters. But we still had been planning to go and have auditions in a big room, you know, with space between us and the singers. So we were thinking this was going to be a, a hiccup of sorts. But when they closed our auditions down from Oklahoma and then obviously New York, our first move was to tell our public that we were postponing the beginning of the season. And in our hopes, we would maybe get started mid-June instead of uh, April with people coming to town. And uh, then, of course, it became very clear that nothing was going to happen, especially in the performing arts. One of the first or one of the first kinds of businesses to close down. It was deemed that what we do out of joy and so naturally singing into each other's faces, dancing in close quarters, doing quick changes in cramped backstage corners with the assistance of crew. None of that was good. It, all of that was potentially fatal, in fact. So we realized we had to roll the season forward. So we announced that we would be doing the five shows that had been planned for 2020, we would be doing them in 2021. And we invited our audience members who held season tickets to either donate their tickets or roll over to the new year and keep their same seating or possibly join a new thing we created called the Spotlight Society, where we would create special content during the year, first online and then hopefully for live events throughout 2020 and then uh, be ready to go back to what's normal in 2021. So happily, uh, about 95% of our patrons just said, oh, we trust what you do, keep us on board. We had several join the Spotlight Society. We created programming online called Movie Club. I did a 10-part series. Uh, Brian Markham, our incoming artistic director, did a series of dance videos. We did a history of the musical theater. Our musical director, Thomas Douglas, did Martini Mondays. Uh, we had uh, spotlights on different orchestra members. We had two virtual con concerts that were filmed uh, at the Orpheum with no audience. We stayed busy and we created about 26 hours of new programming. So we completely pivoted into becoming a TV studio. Uh, our Jester Awards were done online. Our uh, annual fundraiser curtain up became an online event with meals delivered to your home. We were just inventing it as we went along. And, uh, you know, theater people tend to be creative and they tend to always be faced with problems you have to solve in a short period of time. So I just couldn't have been prouder with uh, how everybody responded. And our public was so, uh, so dear and so loyal to us. And then when it became clear that 2021 was not going to be a normal season again, although we saw the potential for some live performances, 
we reconfigured our 2021 season instead of five regular musical comedies, musical plays, Broadway musicals. We, instead of doing five in June, July, August, we spread out and did seven different kinds of musical performances starting earlier in April. And this year they will go all the way through November. So we've spread it out just as we've spread out our patrons in their physical spaces. We're using the Capitol Federal Amphitheater in Andover, which can seat 10,000 and we're limiting it to 2,500 in this outdoor venue. And we did our first two shows there, Smokey Joe's Cafe in concert, and then a concert with Phantom star Jeremy Stoll. Then we moved indoors to the convention hall, which can seat 5,000, and we limited that to 1,200. And we did an all-family musical called Mirette. Now, uh, and then we did a 4th of July show, again, outdoors at Andover. And now we're back indoors for a tribute to this being Music Theater Wichita's 50th anniversary season called Golden MTW at 50. That's August 25th through 29th. Then we go into rehearsals for the show Grease, which we're doing outdoors in Andover, September 15th through 19th. Then we'll close out this season with an inventive musicalization of Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. And that's back inside the convention hall in November, November 10th through 14th. So everything about what we thought we knew how to do changed. And I'll tell you the first drizzly Wednesday in April when we had our scheduled opening night for Smokey Joe's Cafe, and we didn't know if anybody would come. Here came our patrons lugging their lawn chairs on this gray, moist evening, not warm, and they bundled up and stuck with us. And so it looks like we get to fight another day and we're, we're very grateful. And maybe that's more information than you wanted with Oh one. no, no, we would have covered all <laughs> that anyway. So. Uh, so the image that I had of Wayne Bryan with his heels up on the desk and his hands behind his head, <laughs> that is not an image that actually happened is what you're saying. No, not really. Although I will say you've met the wonderful Angela Cassette, yes. who, uh, to whom I turned over all administrative duties a year and a half ago. And she's been our managing director and doing such a wonderful job. And because I'm of a certain vintage and because I want the organization to last far, far beyond my tenure, uh, we had selected a wonderful artistic director named Brian J. Markham to come in and start learning the ropes. And 2020 was supposed to be the season where we worked side by side in our usual environment. Brian, happily for us, was in the Young Performing Company in the mid-90s before he went and had a distinguished Broadway career. And then he and his wife decided they did not want to raise a family in New York. So he became an educator at some of the better musical theater programs. And we hired him away from Syracuse University where he had been. And so he came on board with his family and they bought a house and they moved. And this was all arranged again prior to COVID. So he was here, they were here. So we began just talking through and demonstrating and working side by side. And Brian came up with some of the best things we did last year, including a TV special we did at the holidays, which was just em uh, nom nominated for a regional Emmy. And, and then he, he's written 
the shows uh, that we've done so far in Andover. He, a wonderful job on the patriotic show, Red, White, and Broadway. So people are seeing his work firsthand. So the other thing that happened during this uh, transitional period was not exactly my having my feet up on the desk, but it was a conscious choice on all of our parts to use this time to make sure this transition to a new leadership team would be done as smoothly as possible. And we took advantage of all this time to work together and plan for the organization's future. Challenging times call yes. for creativity and innovation. And it sounds like you certainly did that. A lot of decisions that had to be made at the beginning of the process. Um, how did those meetings go? How do those uh, board discussions go as you're trying to figure out a way forward uh, through the pandemic? Well, all not-for-profit organizations struggle, of course, from year to year. And those of us that depend on ticket revenue realized we would have no ticket revenue in 2020. And the ticket revenue that we're having this year, uh, even though our, our patrons stayed with us, only another 5%, I would say, uh, chose to ask for a refund when they realized that 2021 was not going to be uh, a usual kind of season still. So out of all of our patrons, our, our 10,000 season ticket holders, we only lost less than 10% of them over these two years. So we're very grateful for that. But without our ability to do what we normally do, big spectacular shows, it has not been possible for us to be very aggressive getting new ticket holders and building as we need to do each year on building new audiences to replace the people that leave us. So uh, we went to our board of directors. There are about well, a little above 30, I think, on our board of directors right now. And they are all volunteers in the business community or in the educational community. They're all so committed to us and each brings a unique perspective and knowledge from their aspect of the business to what we can do to be a financially responsible organization. And we began an endowment fund back in 1995, which is uh, has reached a, a fairly substantial amount now, enough to cover a, a full season or two of losses. And of course, the endowment remains untouched, but you watch the earnings grow and you use some of those each year to uh, balance the things you cannot make up from with ticket sales. And we went to our board and we mapped out what we thought we might be able to do safely and conscientiously here in 2021, our seven show season using spatial distancing and smaller casts and very little crew and all of those things. And we came to the board and to our great amazement and relief, they said, well, this is going to be a money losing year. So let's not even think that you have to try to uh, come out of this as we normally would in the black. Uh, this will be a loss, but that's why you have endowments and that's what rainy day funds are for. It doesn't get much rainier than having the whole world shut down for 18 months. Right. So here's a range of losses that we think we could tolerate. Can you stay within this range of loss? And uh, we've done very, very well with that. And then we were fortunate to get some of the uh, shuttered venue organizations grant uh, money. 
So we're coming out of this okay, but we know we're going to have to be very aggressive building back up to the kind of momentum and to see what the world is willing to embrace again as we go back into a very different environment. You became different uh, content producers. And one of the things you had to do in all of that was to make sure that your staff was safe, your actors and actresses and singers were safe. How did you go about that? Well, we engaged a, a COVID safety manager from the very first part of the season who could stay abreast of the ever-changing guidelines and rules, which vary, of course, from state to state and region to region, and sometimes even from county to county, as we know here in Kansas. And then to go better than what was required of us minimally, but to use our best conscience to say, how can we minimize uh, contact? We have uh, anyone who flies in from out of town to perform in our shows has a COVID test and a, and a negative result uh, a week before they fly. Then they must have another one 72 hours before they fly. And then our crew, our cast, everyone is tested weekly. Those who have been fully vaccinated have a slightly more relaxed testing uh, schedule, but they still have to be tested. All rehearsals are done in masks. Uh, it, it has evolved during the course of the season, but in when we set up shop in our rehearsal rooms, uh, all of the individual performers have their own table and station uh, that is around the periphery of the room. Uh, we discouraged or actually uh, denied the ability to go into stores, into shops, into restaurants, especially those first couple of shows we did. We kept everyone isolated in a so-called bubble at the hotel. We brought them food. They weren't even to associate in each other's rooms, uh, but to come into the rehearsal process prepared. We had some rehearsals on Zoom before people came to town learning the music. Uh, and then additional cleaning protocols. Uh, this, the first three shows of the season we did, uh, the first four, four shows, uh, no actors have any contact with each other on stage. There's space between singers. Uh, uh, it, we're encouraging all cast, crew, musicians to be vaccinated fully before they come to work. Uh, that's not completely a mandate yet, but when we get to our last two shows of the season, Greece and Twelfth Night, and we're working with the Actors Union, that is one of the requirements. So uh, we've we've done all of those things and then just tried to use our common sense to keep everyone safe and able to enjoy each other's company, but from the right perspective. That is a lot of work and a lot of precautions to take. But uh, well done. Thank uh, you, sir. Man, that is, that's incredible. And, and uh, I'm sure you've, it, you've seen it pay off in, uh, in everything. Well, we, yes, we've been very fortunate. We were, you know, performing live for audiences back in April and Broadway isn't coming back still till, I guess, Bruce Springsteen did some concerts to all vaccinated audience last week. But basically we were, way ahead of the uh, national curve on when we were able to get back in front of our public. And so far, knock wood, no incidents, no positive tests, no problems so far. And we sure want to keep it that way. 
you've talked about uh, the things that you've still got coming up. Give us an idea of the shows coming up, when they are, all those details. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, you know, we've never done the show Grease, as popular as it is. And as much as I've always loved the music from the show, I sort of resisted it all these years because one, we're an educational theater that tries to inspire young people to hold on to their standards and all that kind of thing. And the plot line in Greece, to me, always seemed a little dicey that Sandy Dabrowski, the one nice girl at Rydell High, has to learn to dress down and trash up in order to attract her man and get validated. And I thought that was, you know, a pretty lousy message. So I just resisted it all these years, even though audiences love it. Uh, but I recently did a little bit more research. You know, we, we all uh, can grow and learn. And uh, back in World War II, when men were overseas, of course, women became Rosie the Riveter. Women ran not just their homes and their family bank accounts, but they ran companies, they built bombers. They really were able to have opportunities that they had never had before and rose to the occasion and did really wonderfully. And when the war was over and men were coming back, the U.S. government was afraid that women uh, would hang on to those jobs and men wouldn't have jobs to come back to. So the, the U.S. government got in league with Hollywood and Madison Avenue advertisers to convince women that they were put on this planet to stay in the home. And that's why we had Father Knows Best and Leave It to Beaver and Make Room for Daddy and all these sitcoms where the mom was the clever one, the smart one, she ran that house, she got those kids out of scrapes, and yet she always looked perfect and had the ideal cocktail apron on when dad came home from work. Sometimes we didn't even know what dad did for work, but he came home, he was the breadwinner. And she was the goddess who managed all things. And, and so there was a big push on women to feel that that was their mission. They could possibly be a teacher, but basically they needed to become a wife and mother in order to be fulfilled. And that is the home that Sandy Dombrowski would have been brought up in in the mid-1950s. But Greece takes place on the brink of 1960. And if Sandy Dombrowski is gonna survive into the next decade, she's gonna learn how to think for herself, how to harness her own sexual power and abilities. And so maybe Greece is the story of a young woman finding herself and finding her identity. And so that's the spin that we're bringing to the show Greece. All the same great songs, the same script, the same story, but we have a different perspective on it. And so that, that will open out in Andover on September 15th and play six performances through September 19th. And I, what we found in our first couple of shows out at the Capitol Federal Amphitheater was that that beautiful lawn in that lovely park was a great place to sit and enjoy pop music. And Greece has such a score of uh, ersatz rock and roll from the 50s that it's become part of our heritage. And it just felt really good to be able to do that out at Andover. And then the last show of the season uh, that moves back to the convention hall is uh, called Twelfth Night. It's based on the Shakespeare comedy, but it has this great pop score by a woman named Shana Taub. Uh, and it's 
a story of gender confusion, mixed identities, and it's a really funny show with a really great score that previewed in uh, it premiered in New York in 2018, and we're one of the first companies to get to do it since then. So we're excited. And then uh, starting in a couple of weeks here, we begin rehearsals for our 50th anniversary retrospective, and we decided in order to emphasize what we think is music theater, which does greatest legacy, which is the ability to create job opportunities for young people who are going to go into this profession. Uh, we are highlighting four of our young alumni who've gone on to very illustrious Broadway careers, and they are being backed up by 10 of our young alumni who are somewhere in that process out of college into the Broadway uh, job stream. And our four guest stars are Desi Oakley, who grew up here, Matt Bogart, who was a wonderful leading man for us in the mid-90s and has come back many times since, and has been on Broadway as the leading man of uh, Smokey Joe's Cafe, Miss Saigon, um, Aida, really great, great guy. And uh, Deb Walton, most recently seen here as our leading player in Pippin, but she was on Broadway in the pajama game, really fantastic lady. And Javier Ignacio, who also grew up in this, was one of our first Jester Award nominees for leading man, uh, was in the teen choir, as was Desi Oakley. And uh, he's currently in the Broadway revival of Company, but they're uh, not in rehearsals quite yet again, so he's able to come. So it's It'll be a stellar group with a big onstage orchestra conducted by Thomas W. Douglas. Dancing, Brian Markham, artistic director, and I are putting this together jointly. And it should be a great look back. We're not used to looking back, but it should be a good celebration of what the first 50 years of Music Theatre Wichita has brought to the community with the anticipation that we'd sure like to be around for another 50 more. I have a feeling that's not <laughs> going to be a problem. Well done. Congratulations on finding a way through the pandemic and coming out the other side even better than before, I believe. And uh, onward and upward for Music Theater Wichita. Wayne Bryan, producing director of Music Theater Wichita. Thank you. Congratulations. And I hope to talk to you again soon. I hope so too, Bill. Keep, keep Hang in there. And we're so glad for this friendship with you. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 218. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks to producer Kirk Seminoff, and thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com backslash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.